hated the notebook. <laughs> oh, God, I hated that movie. The only reason I watched it was because it was on the poster. And, which, I mean, like, even before seeing it, I was like, really? The notebook? <laughs> um, what but, did you like about it? Uh, yeah, I mean, we might as well. I, well, technically, we already have been talking about it on the podcast because I started recording. I was, I was, okay, I'm going to be honest. I was going to say, maybe we should wait to talk about this on the podcast. But then I thought to myself, there's no way Noah didn't already start the podcast. <laughs> uh, anyways, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another exciting episode of No Lights, No Camera Action. I am joined, as always, by Jacob, who may have cut out, <laughs> given that he did not respond. Are you still there, Jacob? Ah, shit. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Well, this might be an interesting episode. Uh, yeah, uh... So, uh, uh, apologies. That's uh, that wasn't the audio helping an issue. That was that was just me because uh, uh, before we started, I was playing Dark Souls. Oh, and okay. For the first time in my life, forgot that pausing Dark Souls doesn't pause Dark Souls. Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay, <laughs> I see where this is going. <laughs> All right, well, um, so uh, today, it's it's been a while since we've done an episode of the podcast, uh, just because I've been busy with my film class, ironically enough, uh, but I'm done with that now, so we have time to uh, sit down and record episodes again, um, just in time for school to resume for a lot of people. Uh, yeah. Obviously, you know, this coming school year is not going to be normal for a lot of people, um, but uh, we figured it'd be a fun time to uh, sort of talk about some of our favorite school-related films and scenes in films. Um, so, I just have... Uh, I, I, I just have a list. I'm probably not going to get to talk in depth about all the films on this list uh, that I wrote down, but I just wrote down a few of my faves. Uh, starting off with one I believe you still haven't seen, School of Rock. Yeah, I have not seen that yet. Um, You absolutely need to. It's so good. Like, easily Jack Black's best film. Apart from maybe, Ju well, no, nah, I'd still say School of Rock is better than Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. Uh, but it um, just, so, so for those who don't know, basically the premise of School of Rock is he, uh, Jack Black plays 
uh, this guy Dewey Finn, who's a member of a band, but he gets kicked out of his band um, because they just, you know, he doesn't really get along with the people in the band. He uh, is, has drinking issues. He, you know, is sort of hogging the spotlight. And uh, so they kick him out of the band. And he needs to find a way to make some money uh, because he's living with this guy, um, Ned Schneebly, who is a substitute teacher. And uh, Ned's girlfriend uh, hates him. And he also hasn't been paying rent for quite some time. And so he needs some money. And so he ends up taking a, a phone call from a school that is meant for Ned Schneebly. Uh, it, they are in need of a substitute teacher, and so he pretends to be Ned Schneebly and becomes the substitute teacher, discovers the kids are all musically gifted, and decides to um, basically uh, perform this, like, ultimate con to put together a band with these kids and uh, enter a battle of the bands to win some money. Um, and also prove that he is, you know, a talented rock star. Um, and then he forms a really great connection with these kids. They perform at Battle of the Bands. They are amazing. Uh, and it's, it's such a fun movie. Like, the way he interacts with these kids is great. This is also the first film appearance of Miranda Cosgrove, who, of course, would later oh, go really? on to star in Drake and Josh and iCarly. Um, but yeah, this is this is her first movie. Um, and uh, she's awesome in it. Again, Jack Black is just having the time of his life. Like, this movie is... Like, this is Jack Black's movie. Which would make you think, like, no one else could possibly play this role. And on film, that is true. But then they made a Broadway musical adaptation, which is just as good. Even with oh, really? Jack Black, it is just as good as the movie. Um, and in fact, is probably my favorite Broadway musical I've ever seen. Which <laughs> is saying something. <laughs> um... Rent's a close second. <laughs> Sorry, my mom overheard me. <laughs> Rent is a close second. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, uh, welcome yeah. to the special episode of the podcast where Noah's mom joins us oh. <laughs> yeah. for a conversation on Noah liking Rent. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. And, you know, Broadway musical fans will know that that is especially saying something because Rent is one of the most popular musicals. So, yeah, but School of Rock is so good. If you have not seen it, it is, it is definitely worth a watch. Um, I'd also recommend um, Karsten Runquist, who's a film YouTuber I've been following for a couple months now. Um, he did a video relatively recently, um, 
talking about this per the perfect scene in School of Rock, um, when uh, when uh, Dewey Finn is actually forming uh, the band with the kids for the first time, uh, and it is such a great scene. Uh, so yeah, highly recommend checking this out. I, there's also a TV show based on it on Nickelodeon. I can't imagine that's very good, but who knows? I've hold I on. I'm curious it. about that now. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but that is a thing. Um, guess that would have been worth talking about on a on the Ooh, previous well, episode where we uh, talked about stuff, but <laughs> has what? a four point four on IMDb for what that's oh, worth. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Out of so, ten, for unfamiliar viewers, out yeah, of ten. Yes, yeah, so that's not good. What is it? I'm actually I'm curious. What does the movie have on IMDb? One sec. I'm gonna I'm a, and I'm gonna check Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, uh seven point one on IMDb, ninety one percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that's that that's really good for uh. And if also for for some reason, like the results, like 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 Google, like when you type in a thing, Google will try to show you like the search results and video results and whatnot for the thing. For some reason, when I typed in the School of Rock TV show, all the video results for one showed up surprisingly high, and two were all the School of Rock kids then and now, and I don't know why, and I'm mildly concerned. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah, I. It's so weird. I I don't know if any of the other kids in the movie really went on to do anything noteworthy. It, it is worth knowing that the that Ned's girlfriend is played by Sarah Silverman, who of course has done quite a bit, and Ned himself is played by Mike White. Oh yeah, and Joan Cusack's in this movie too as the principal of the school, and she's awesome in it. Um. Joan Cusack, uh, what would you know Joan Cusack? Well, she's Jessie in Toy Story, for one. Um, but also, she's the woman who uh, tries to trick... Um, Adam Pascal, she, I know that name from some. Adam Pascal, yeah, what... Oh, that name does Hold sound on, very I'm familiar. Into it. Hang on. Oh, well, he was in Rent Live. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, That's one thing. <laughs> yeah, that would explain it. That would explain part of it, at least. Oh, he was also in the back, an episode of the Backyardigans. <laughs> one episode? And Rent. Just flat out. Yeah, oh yeah, because he's, um, who, who is he in Rent? Roger Davis? Yeah, no, he's one of the main characters. Ah, so, that, <laughs> yeah. so that's where I know the name. Also, for clarification for audience members who maybe remember an old episode where we talked about Rent, I still haven't seen Rent, but I've seen a video talking about Rent. That's probably where I heard the name. And as much as I love the musical, I still haven't seen the film adaptation. Which I'm told, is a sin. I'm told, I'm told it's not as good as the musical, but only because the director didn't know how to adapt wasn't it, didn't seem as familiar with like good ways to adapt stage musicals into non-stage musicals super well. Yeah, I mean, I, I like I heard it, like yeah, 
Like, if you like the musical itself, it's probably fine. But. Yeah, I mean, they have most of the original cast from the Broadway musical in the film, which is rare for yeah. uh, stuff like that. Um, except I, I think Rosario Dawson is one of the few new additions. She plays Mimi. Um, you, of course, would know her as Claire in all of the Marvel Netflix shows. Oh, all right. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, in conclusion, check out School of Rock. It's really good. Uh, alright, uh, what, uh, what movies you got for, uh... Uh, well, one school-related movie that I thought of, uh... Okay, technically, okay, this sentence is not going to make sense to 90% of people, including you, Noah. Oh, but the name reminded me of a thing that's related to a different thing that we will be doing at some point. That I want to have this name, but didn't have this name. And that name is Here Comes the Boom. Oh. Oh, yeah, because that movie is basically School of Rock, but with wrestling. Wrestling, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And Kevin James. And I remember James. seeing it and thinking it was okay, but I remember nothing from it. I I remember enjoying it. I remember enjoying it. Okay, so the general... So, from, it's been a while, though, so I may get some details wrong. Uh, so, general plot of the movie is Kevin James as... I can't remember his character, so we're just calling, going to Scott call him Voss. Kevin James. I just look, I, 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 I've got it pulled up on Google right now. Scott Voss. Okay, Kevin James. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is a biology teacher at a school who's kind of become like, what's the word? Maybe like, who's kind of like grown tired of the whole teaching thing. Yeah, uh, they describe him as apathetic in the apathetic. Yeah, yeah that's a good word. For, that's a good word for it. Like he's grown apathetic towards his teaching job, but he's tr he's trying and failing to like get a date with one of his co-workers. It is so also worth noting he is a sick. former wrestler in the movie. And it, yes, I, and is a, and was once like, did some, and once did some wrestling. Uh, and then, and then, and then he also does some citizenship, also, he also does citizenship classes at night. Anyway, uh, one day, like, his friend, the music teacher, uh, comes to him, like, tells him that his wife's pregnant, and then later he learns, like, and really shortly afterwards, he learns that the school is defunding the music program, and unless they get some, some amount of money, like, some amount of money, uh, in a relatively short period of time, uh, his, his friend's going to lose his job, not be able to support his newly growing, like, newly regrowing family. So he's unsure what to do, and then one day when he's hanging out with some people from his citizenship class, uh, they're watching a wrestling match, and he learns that you can make a lot of money not even necessarily winning a wrestling match on the higher end. So he, so in an attempt to help raise money, he goes he goes out and starts doing fighting, doing fighting matches to try and raise money to help raise money for the school. And through the course of this, he one gets pretty decent at wrestling. Uh, regains, like, finds his groove again as a teacher, like, gets a, a little better connection, like, connects with the students a lot better, uh, 
general is able to improve, like front general is able to improve his life. And then at the end, a plot twist happened, which results in him uh, ah, fighting an MMA match against a guy who actually knows what he's doing. <laughs> the best, I think it's MMA. It's been a while, but like. <laughs> I don't know. It's like it's like a like it has a lot of hall like from my memory it has a lot of like hallmarks of like the Kevin James style of movie. Yeah. And if you find out and you're finding this stuff like it's a fairly enjoyable movie although although not necessarily the most memorable times. Uh, the, the 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 central song that they keep using definitely sticks in my head. It sticks in my mind, not necessarily because it's like a particularly catchy or interesting, just because the line "Here comes the boom" is weirdly sticky in my mind. I guess is a way to put it. That is a weird way to put it. It is a weird way to put it. It's like it's just constantly there in my mind, and every once in a while, it just comes bursting back, but it never fully leaves. Okay, I don't know. Also. I- I just want to point out, so I was looking through the cast just to see if there was anyone else of note. First of all, Salma Hayek. I believe that's the woman he's trying to win over. That sounds right. Um, uh, But also, I was scrolling through the cast and found a man named Scott Voss. And I was like, wait a minute. It's... Okay, from what I can tell, this is based on a real person? Uh, and the uh, actual Scott Voss makes a cameo in the film? As Tattooed Man? I, for, I forgot about that aspect of this. I didn't know that aspect until now. It's like, it probably says something like at the, at the beginning or the end, like, inspired by... Inspired or based on a true story. Oh my god, wow. Wow. I did not know that. That's really interesting, actually. Hold on, I'm trying to look up the actual story of Scott Voss now. Yeah, well, because I'm not getting much results. Like, well, like, I'm clicking on the man, it, like, from a, He has an IMDb profile. It's also not his only acting credit. Um... But, like, wait, hang on. Well, I, oh, I'm not sure, actually. Wait, hang on. Oh, I'm getting confused now, because, like, uh, yeah, there's, like, very little information on him, actually, and it, it does is it? I, I I cannot find a definitive answer on this. Hang on. Here comes the boom true story. Let me look that up. Uh Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I guess it lo- it looks like 
It is. Wow. Okay. Huh. And then an article, Kevin James on getting knocked out by Salma Hayek, and here comes the boom. I, so I guess there's a scene where she knocks him out? I don't remember that, but sounds amusing. Well, there you go. Um, wow, yeah. Uh, there might be, like, one of those, like, unless they're just... It might be one of those comedy style scenes where also I'm pure have an interesting interconnection right now. So if I sound weird, <laughs> uh, you sound fine still. Uh, okay. Uh, there's probably like one of those like standard comedy scenes where like Kevin the Kevin James is like. Oh well. I don't know, like one of those standard. One of the standard you couldn't beat me in a fight comedy style scenes where like like someone severely underestimates someone else and then they get their ass kicked. Yeah. In some yeah. Way. Seems like that type of thing. Um. Yeah. Um. Uh, you still there? Yeah. You. Okay. I'm just trying to. You were like cutting out slightly, so. Uh, not entirely surprised. Yeah. Um. But, uh, well, I, another film I have written down, I'll, I'll just talk about this one briefly, um, as I've mentioned in the podcast, it's barely lethal, one of my favorite movies, uh, highly underrated, like, nobody, like, like, a lot of people don't even know it exists, which is weird, because it has such an amazing cast, um... This is the one where Haley Seinfeld plays, like, a member of this, like, organization that, uh, takes young girls from their families and trains them to be assassins. Uh, but then she, see, on one of her missions, she sees normal teenagers having a normal life, and she wants that life for herself, so she fakes her own death and, uh, poses as a foreign exchange student at the nearest high school um and it's it's very good it's very fun uh the best way i could describe this film is it feels like a it feels like it was pitched as a disney channel original movie um but then they didn't end up doing it for disney channel and were like well since we're not doing it for disney channel we can put in a bunch of adult humor and so they did. And it's actually really fun. <laughs> like, it's not gonna win any Oscars or anything, but it's it's a fun time. And it's got a great cast. Sophie Turner's great in it. Samuel L. Jackson is the leader of the organization. Uh, Jessica Alba is the villain, which is very different for her. Um, Dove Cameron of Disney Channel fame is in it, and she's pretty good. It's, it's a very, it's a fun, it's, it's just a fun time. Uh, and it is on Netflix, so I, I recommend giving it a shot. Uh, that's, that's what I have to say on that one. Uh, you got, you got another one? 
Well, one school movie that I remember really enjoying as a kid, but I have not seen in a long-ass time, which I feel like is just going to be a theme with <laughs> the things I'm going to be, ones I'm going to be bringing up here, uh, is the Recess movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I never, I never actually watched Recess as a kid. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, Recess was, I guess it would be qualified as old, but this Retro Day Spanners, an old Disney Channel show featuring a bunch of kids at a, pretty sure an elementary school, either elementary, either an, not an elementary school or an elementary merge of middle school type thing. Fourth anyway. graders. I just yeah. looked it up. Okay, yeah, elementary oh, wow. uh, And the show would normally follow like their antics like around class and recess. Uh, and then they had a movie for it, Recess Schools Out, uh, where like summer vacation, everyone goes off to do so, just their own thing, and then. Central character, whose name I forget, I can't remember off the top of my head, uh, discovers discovers conspiracy that I must say, so, that thinking about it now sounds trekkingly familiar to a, <laughs> a plot of, an act, of a character from Phineas and Ferb. Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, so, because the the. the the villain of the movie has a plot to like end summer vacation by th I think it involves using a tractor beam to move the moon closer to Earth or something. <laughs> God, that's so stupid, and I love it. And there was, I, and I know there's a character in *Prometheus* and *Verb* who also had a plan to ruin to end summer vacation. But I think this plan was to like use a tractor beam to drag Earth closer to Jupiter or something. Oh, man. So, <laughs> I'm using similar plans. And it's just... I don't know. It's, I remember really enjoying the movie. Uh, also, there's a scene in the movie where main kid is able to convince, I believe it's the principal, to come to the school like like, like after discovering the series. He like, tries to get the principal to... like come to school and do something about it because he's in a position of authority, he could probably do something. And then when he tries to open the door to the school, he gets like teleported, but the teleportation is like characterized like vaporization because it's sh the only thing that doesn't get teleported are his shoes. <laughs> so as he grabs the door up and then he just vanishes. <laughs> And it's like, even, I believe it even has the smoke rising from the shoes thing. <laughs> nice. Uh, also, I would like to point out, the villain of the movie is voiced by James Woods, because of course he is. <laughs> oh, man. Also, that show ran for longer than I thought. It, it ran from 1997 to 2006. That movie came out in 2001. That is, that that's that's a pretty good run, especially for a Disney Channel show. Uh, well, anyway, um, well, while we're on the subject of Disney, um, an another film that I think is 
highly underrated. Uh, we're not going in any specific order as far as, like, age of the students in the film, obviously. Because <laughs> um, we started at, like, this element... The elementary school for school of rock and then i already here comes the boom which i think was elementary school and then high school and then back to elementary school now we're going to college with monsters university did you ever see this one i did not okay uh a lot of people don't like this movie and i get it i get why people don't like it it's not nearly as good as monsters inc for sure um, it does also directly contradict, um, a passing comment that Mike makes in Monsters, Inc. that implies that he and Sully have been friends at least since fourth grade. Um, because this movie pick depicts them meeting for the first time in college, so kind of contradicts that. Um, but honestly, A... Who cares? It's one line that the movie is cut. Like, it's one line. And it's a fun... It's just a fun college movie. Like, it's it's not like your... I mean, plot-wise, it is like your typical college movie, but it's made for kids, so no, like, drinking and getting high and stuff. Um, but I, I think it, it's a fun time. It, it does... Uh, some interesting stuff with the characters. First of all, Mike is the central focus in this one, and I always liked Mike better than Sully as a kid, so I really liked this movie when it came out. Um, uh, there's actually a really good video, and I wish I remembered the name of the girl who made the video. It's a smaller YouTube channel. I'm going to quick look that up. Uh, but she did a video talking about how monsters university could be interpreted as a really good honest depiction of um disability um because uh she makes the argument that like it the channel is called the sin squad um i heck i yeah i highly recommend checking out the video um Basically, she just talks about how uh, Mike's journey, uh, or his character, seems to, you know, show the signs of... Well, because, like, he is... The whole thing is that he is... He... D like, they... He keep... People keep putting him down because he's not scary... And so, but, like, his dream is to be on a scare floor. So that is, like, his main conflict. Um, and it's just, like, it just kind of has that idea that, like, he might not have been, like, scared. Like, some people just aren't, like, some monsters just aren't born scary. And it's not really something that can be taught. And so, uh, Mike sort of finds a way to achieve his dream in a different way by being Sully's assistant. Um, and it, it's actually very heartwarming. Um, and it does some interesting stuff with the other characters. First of all, Randall is Mike's roommate before he turns evil. 
And it's really interesting. It's a really interesting way to take that character and how he, like, grows to hate Mike and Sully. It, it's really interesting. Um, and it also has a, like, really satisfying and unexpected ending, which is weird for a prequel. Like, you'd think the ending of a prequel would be completely predictable, but it it manages to connect back to Monsters, Inc. in a way that isn't expected, but works really well. So, I, I highly recommend, if you haven't seen Monsters University, give it a shot. If you have seen it and didn't like it the first time you saw it, maybe give it another shot. Uh, yeah, that's what I have to say about that. Uh, so do you got another one you want to bring up then? Hello? Oh, he might have cut out. Well, my computer's working again. Oh, <laughs> he just texted me. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> that would explain you, you disappear. Well, that would explain a lot. <laughs> uh, can you rejoin? I'm sorry. I wish I could pause this, but I can't. Um, Oh, shit, I would need to let him in, wouldn't I? Uh, <laughs> there we go. Hello. Hello again. Hello. Apologies. My computer just spent the last five minutes dying. <laughs> so you basically missed everything I said about Monsters University. Well... <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Uh, just it's like it's like you said Monsters University, and then my computer basically immediately froze up. <laughs> wow! Even your computer doesn't like the movie. <laughs> yeah, apparently it doesn't. Oh, no, but yeah, no. I I think it's underrated. Honestly, it's. It's certainly not Pixar's best, and it doesn't come even close to being as good as Monsters, Inc., but it's it, it's fun, and has, it has a lot of heart to it, so. Yeah. In fact, it might be... I mean, there's not a lot, but it might be my favorite... I mean, even though it's a prequel, it might be my favorite non-Toy Story sequel. But, like, it's probably my second favorite Pixar sequel. I, I mean non-Toy Story Pixar sequel. Um, like, it, like, as far as, like, sequels for, uh, Pixar goes, I would, I would go, uh, Toy, I, I would go Toy Story 2, then Monsters University. And then the others. So, 
Are you? S oh God! Did you cut out again? No, I'm just not saying anything because okay. I'm letting you speak. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, I uh, okay. I'll stop talking about that one now because I don't want your computer to have another hissy fit. Um, what what other movies do you got to talk about? Uh, well, there's Sky High. Oh yeah, I didn't even think to put that one down, which is crazy. <laughs> God, when was the last time you watched that movie? Just Gosh, I think I was in middle school when I last oh, watched God. that movie. I've watched it in college. <laughs> My God, that movie is weird. Yeah. <laughs> fun though. It is it's like not terrible. It's it's fun. It's not great, but it's a fun time. Also, as uh, you guys will find out in the much-delayed uh, Miserable Movie Monday parody album, it's it was my introduction to Mary Elizabeth Winstead, as I'm sure it was for a lot of people. Um, so there's that. Should we explain the plot of Sky High? <laughs> it's, it's a school with superheroes. There's not that much to explain with that one. It's, it's a school with superheroes. And there's, like, the main character is the son of, like, basically this universe's equivalent to Superman and Wonder Woman. Like, it's like Superman and Wonder Woman got married and had a son. And for most of the movie, he doesn't have powers... Uh, thus being a disappointment, I guess. But then, like... But he views himself as a disappointment, at least. Yeah, he views himself as a disappointment. Well, others definitely do, too. Including the coach, played by none other than Bruce Campbell. Oh, shit, right. That was yeah! The coach. <laughs> Bruce Campbell's in this movie, too. I just remembered that, too. Um, also, Kurt Russell's his dad! Kurt Russell is stronghold, <laughs> I forgot! Oh my god, this cast is insane. It's so weird. It's got a really, like, it's got a bizarrely big cast for, like, this, like, low, it, I guess it's not low-tier live-action Disney, because it's got a 73% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is a lot higher than I was expecting. Honestly, it, I, I remember looking up, like, I haven't seen the movie in a while, but I always like I distinctly remember looking up the Rotten Tomatoes score for the movie and being like shocked at how high it is. Oh my god! I'm looking at this cast. Their principal is played by the woman who played Wonder Woman in the Wonder Woman TV show back in the day. <laughs> oh god, that's great. That is great. <laughs> um. God, yeah. Yeah, you got Kevin, yeah, uh, oh yeah, Patrick Warburton's in it too. Oh wait, <laughs> Patrick Warburton voices the evil version of Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh god, uh, yeah, cause she, cause she's the villain. Which, which is a very interesting twist, honestly. Yeah. Um, and you've also got uh, Daniel Panabaker, who would go on to be in The Flash. She oh, yeah. She's Killer Frost. 
Or, or the girl who would become Killer Frost. She wasn't Killer Frost from the beginning, but... Um... Oh, and, uh, Tom Kenny's in it as Mr. Timmerman. I don't remember that character. Um, but yeah, there's, yeah, wow. Yeah, Sky High's fun. It's, yeah. Wow, Hold yeah. On, I'm trying to find who plays the bully, like, the starts out as a bully character. Oh, yeah, the Zuko. <laughs> He's got fire powers too. He is Zuko. <laughs> God, you're not wrong. Wait, is his name Zach? No, 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 no. Wait, is War and Peace the? G no, yeah, yeah. War and Peace was the guy. Oh, right? I forgot. I forgot. I forgot that name. Jesus Christ! How did I forget that War name? War and Peace. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> this this movie is so ridiculous and it, it yeah apparently apparently it's it got mostly good reviews um and it's one of the few but unfortunately it's not available on Disney plus really because uh it's currently on HBO ah and then need to wait for that to run out first yeah exactly. So man, when when yeah. it gets on Disney Plus, when it gets on Disney Plus, we should watch that again. Yeah, I'd be. Well, see, I remember like back when I watched it on in college, it was on Netflix. I specifically remember it was on uh, Netflix when we watched it in college, and I remember like thinking, "Wow, this is weird but fun." It like uh, well, because I remember watching it as a kid, of course, but like. I hadn't seen it in years, and then, like, watching it again was, like... It's so weird to watch some of those movies from when you were a kid as, as an adult. Oh, God, I remember... I remember watching... Sp okay, I remember... So, as a kid, I was... I was big into Spy Kids. Oh, God. When I was young. <laughs> and I distinctly remember, like, whenever I watched Spy Kids, I would be... And I... Think, and one day, uh, I think I was in high school or something, uh, like, my parents were flipping through the channels, and Spy Kids was on a channel, and we stayed there for, like, a couple seconds, that was which was just long enough for me to sit, sit there and then realize, wow, I remember this making a lot more sense when I was a kid. Yeah, because as a no, kid, everything made perfect sense in my mind, but as a kid, I... But as like even just an older kid as a high schooler, I came back to it and it was and was almost instantly like, "Wow, this is a lot of nonsense." Yeah, and it's which actually makes some sense because it's the same director as From Dusk Till Dawn, mm. which I saw for the first time recently because it was leaving Vood it it was it was free on Voodoo for a while, but. Um, what was leaving at the end of last month, so I watched it before it left. That is, is a weird movie. It's good, but weird. Um, I hate Quentin Tarantino's character in it because the screenplay is written by Tarantino. Huh. Um, yeah, and interesting, it's because it's not those two's only collaboration because they also did 
the movie Grindhouse, which was actually two movies put together that I have I haven't seen it, but <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, sorry. I started looking through War and Peace quotes oh. <laughs> from IMDB. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure whether you meant the character or the book. <laughs> sorry. Uh, sorry. The, the one that just got me laughing there. To let true love remain unspoken is the quickest route to a victory. The quickest route to a heavy heart. Then someone goes, wow, that's really deep. In a warm piece, reading that portrait cookie goes, yeah, and your lucky numbers are 4, 16, 5, and 49. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, no, that Sky has Sky has a trip. Um, speaking of superhero school movies, I wanted to bring up Spider-Man: Homecoming and Far From Home. Cause I feel like oh, yeah. those count. They're they're certainly the most school-related Spider-Man movies. Easily, yeah. Um, because of course he because he graduates high school at the beginning of the first Spider-Man movie in the Sam Raimi trilogy. Uh, and then he graduates high school at the beginning of Amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, but I really like Spider-Man. I really like what... I really like this aspect of Spider-Man in the MCU is him just being a student. Yeah. Like, it's so... And there's so many... And, and his interactions with the different classmates, like, of course, you've got Ned, who's hilarious. You've got yeah. MJ, who is hilarious and a really, like, nice departure from the comics. Yeah. Um, you've got uh, I, I really like what they did of MJ in the movies. You've got Flash Thompson, who I'm really excited to see, like, where they take his character yeah. in the future. Because, like, they are absolutely hinting at, like him being a major role. Like, a lot of people are speculating that they're actually doing another big departure from the comics and making him an Osborn, which I'm down for. Same here. Sounds like a, like, I, if they do that, I'm to do here it. for it. Um, like, yeah, no, it's it's a fun... Yeah, no, this, yeah, these, these movies, I, I mean, obviously, I, I've discussed my issues with Far From Home on the podcast previously, um, but Homecoming might be my favorite Spider-Man movie? It's either that or Amazing Spider-Man 2, which I know most people think is the worst, but, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I need to rewatch all the Spider-Man movies again, uh, because I don't think I've actually, oh my god, I don't think I've seen any of the Spider-Man movies, except for maybe, like, snippets of Spider-Man 3 since Homecoming came out. Um, so yeah, I need, I need to rewatch all of them. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, no, I, th there's not, not much else to say on that i i just needed to make sure i got that in uh because for the thumbnail i have the, the school of rock uh classroom with uh jack black and the students playing their instruments and then i have 
I a uh, deviant art image, which I'll I'll credit the I'll be sure to credit the artist in the description, but it is it's it's Tom Holland's Spider Man, but he's dressed in Tom Holland's umbrella lip sync costume, <laughs> and it's beautiful. <laughs> uh so yeah, there's that. God, is that that open? That Creative Commons. Um, but, uh... Wait, sorry, wait, wait, it sounds great, but are we technically allowed to use it? <laughs> I, I think, I, I think I'm fine. I'll, I, I will credit the artist in the description for sure. Um, and anyway, uh, um, what else have you got? Uh, well, there's one, okay. There's one that very much fits with the school movie type thing, but I, but it's weird in my mind because for some reason, despite definitely being a school movie, I have issues thinking of it as a school movie. And I guess since we've been on superhero movies, might as well transition into, might as well transition into its almost neighboring genre of fantasy movies and briefly talk about Harry Potter. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to bring up X-Men for a second, which I was going to bring up, but yeah, Harry Potter. You know, perhaps X-Men would have been better since we could have done, <laughs> since we could have done superheroes and then transition I mean, we, to can Harry talk, we can talk but... about both. It, it's fine. <laughs> no, I mean, doing it first. Yeah. But... <laughs> uh, no, no, it's fine. You brought up Harry Potter. Let's talk about Harry Potter. Even though I, I okay, I should preface this. I have only... I've read the first four Harry Potter books. Uh-huh. I started reading the fifth one. I, I, I've told you this story, definitely, but I don't think I've told it on the podcast or any form on YouTube. Well, I might have. I don't know. But, like, my copy of it, as I was reading it, I, I got all my copies of the book secondhand, like, at Goodwill yeah. and stuff. Um, and my copy of Order of the Phoenix just fell apart as I was reading it. Aww. Um, and I didn't bother getting another copy because that book is so slow to start. It is. So uh, I didn't, like I, like, by the time ones. it had completely fallen apart, I wasn't even at Hogwarts yet. <laughs> oh, Jesus, right. Um, oh, God. So I ah, just didn't Well, I'm bother. glad to say I'm not the only person who has a story with a fifth Harry Potter book story. Oh, really? <laughs> Specifically the fifth one, huh? Specifically the fifth one. Okay. Uh, so when I was like in elementary school, I started reading the Harry Potter books. And I got to the fifth one, and I was really enjoying them. And I got to the fifth one, and it was a bit slower, but I was still enjoying it. And uh, part, like somewhere half-ish way through reading the book, my sister, who was also reading the Harry Potter books, uh, took the book, started reading it, and removed the bookmark that oh, I Oh, yes, you to told me this. Was in the book. Oh, yeah, you've told me this before. Oh. And when she was done, I could never find where in the book I was. Oh. So I gave up on reading the book for a while until eventually I got back to reading the book, not by reading the Harry Potter series, not by starting with the fifth book, at the beginning to be roughly where I left off, starting at the first book and then reading all the way through. Oh, man, yeah. Uh, we should probably yeah. actually talk about the movies. Um, except I have not... 
seen any okay i've seen the beginning i i've seen like i probably the first half hour or so of goblet of fire just because we started watching it for one of my english classes when we had the film unit in high school i don't know if your uh class did that but um but uh yeah um so i saw like the be- the like probably the first half hour of that and then the and then i saw fantastic beasts the first one okay um which is not school related at all <laughs> so we won't discuss that one yeah uh, i have not seen the fantastic beasts movies uh i have seen all the harry potter movies though and i can definitely say that the movie series is quite good. I just really wish that... Okay, so I feel like we have to at some point, just like we talked in, we're talking about Harry Potter, I feel like we need to at some point just bring up the fact of J.K. Rowling. Oh, God. <laughs> being terrible. Yeah, yeah, she's pretty bad. And it's always annoying when authors of, like, authors of beloved series turn out to be terrible yeah like ender's game jacob like talked ender's about game, ender's yeah. game again. <laughs> <laughs> well nice. i well, technically i could because it's a movie set like in a sort of a military academy like military academy <laughs> training school thing so i could talk about ender's game briefly oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, no if, if we need to fill and some time start in a normal high school yeah, if we if we if we need some time to fill, we could we could talk about Ender's Game, sure. Yeah. Um, but it's but, like it's like, yeah, it's really well, hard I mean, because like. But with all that, you 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 just got to separate the art from the artist at that point. True, but it's really hard with J.K. Rowling, like in particular, Especially because like because she, a lot of she refuses to not be directly connected to the to her art, which is infuriating. For those who would like to be able to just ignore that the opposite type of person and read or watch the the good stuff that they've made. Yeah, because a because lot of it's her... so hard to separate her from it all. Yeah, because a lot of her terribleness is her like needlessly retconning her art and making and it just unnecessarily like, it, it feels like she's just, she, like, retcons, like, almost every character to be gay just to try to be woke. Yeah, I really That's what it that. feels I'm... like, especially based on... Uh, there was some altercation, there was something with her and Stephen King in the news recently, and I know he's also, like, said some terrible stuff. Um, well, Steve King or Stephen King? Stephen King. Okay. Um, but I forget... It's an important distinction there. But I forget who... I, I forget if she was on his side about something, or if she was against him, and I forget who was really worse off. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's not worth going that deep into. Hold on, I'm now curious about this, because I don't remember this. Well, X-Men... <laughs> Um, okay, well, it seems like... Okay, just to briefly say what it was, uh, Stephen King sort of thing, uh, J.K. Rowling did a tweet, like, 
response to praising him. And then he said he, and then he came out in support of trans women. So J.K. Rowling deleted the tweet. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. Oh, so for once, Stephen King was actually in the right, <laughs> at least at that second half. I don't know what he said in the first half that she agreed with. Could have been terrible. I'm, I'm trying to find that too. Hold on. Um, <clears throat> X-Men is... Uh, yeah, again, technically school-related because it, Xavier's school. Um, too bad the movies oftentimes, at least for the earlier ones, don't really focus all... Okay, it was... King retweeted a... Okay, Rowling shared a quote from a, like a late feminist and f feminist writer. Uh, Stephen King retweeted it. Rowling did her like did her tweet in response, like her praising tweet of Stephen King, and then Stephen King came out and supported trans women, and then Rowling deleted the tweet. Ah, okay. Anyway, uh, yeah, X Men. Let's move on to X Men. Yeah. Uh, Though, so, uh, yeah. I was going to say lighter topics, but they're all, the X-Men are also used as allegory for... <laughs> no, I mean, but that, I mean, <laughs> just talking about the movies is still a lighter topic than... True, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, so, of course, I mean, you've got Xavier School, um, it's too bad a lot of the original trilogy doesn't focus too much on that and focuses more on Wolverine. Um, yeah, like it's okay. The cartoons did it a bit more, which not surprised by, but like in the shows, they do I'm honestly surprised there hasn't been like an X Men style thing that really focuses more on the school aspect because it worked. I've seen it with, with Spider Man superhero school movies work pretty well. Yeah, I would really like to see. Well, oh wait, we do have one Generation X. Oh right, yeah, <laughs> the, the one that's bad and then trash. Playing Generation X. Oh, that's fun. For those who don't know, uh, Generation X was a failed TV pilot for a potential TV live-action TV show based on the Generation X uh, comic spinoff of X-Men. Um, and there were a lot of these uh, in the, like, late in the mid to late 90s uh, before the MCU really kicked off and before Marvel sold off all their film rights to other companies uh, because of almost going into bankruptcy um like there was a Doctor Strange one actually there there were multiple attempts to revive the uh old incredible hulk tv show with movies that were also trying to set up for tv shows with other marvel characters like thor and daredevil um uh there was the nick fury one with david hasselhoff i think that was i think they were planning on making a tv show based on that think that might not be the case actually um but generation x is one it's the only one I, that jacob and i have seen to my knowledge um to mine as well 
and it also has the best villain that was created specifically for the movie has never appeared in the comics but we both love him because Matt Green's performance is like very much like he's very much like Jim Carrey light and it's it's like if Jim Carrey played Freddy Krueger I think was the consensus we came to and it's just so great. It's so funny. And the fact that the... he isn't, like, the character isn't in more things is an utter shame. Yeah. It, uh, you can find the movie, you, you can find the full movie on YouTube. Um, or you can check out our Miserable Movie Monday viewing of it. Because we did, in fact, watch it for Miserable Movie Monday uh, last year. So you can check that out. Um also, Miserable Movie Monday is back, guys. If you missed yeah. last week's, um, Liam and I watched a movie called Mesmerized, which is the worst Jodie Foster movie. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, because I wanted to pick something that was somewhat tangentially related to my film class, and I was like, well, Silence of the Lambs was the best film I watched in the class. What's Jodie Foster's worst movie? <laughs> um... It's just a very weird period drama where she's married to John Lithgow, who is normally a good actor, but is just giving the worst performance of his life in this movie. (laughs) He puts on a terrible accent. He goes batshit insane at one point. Um, And she poisons him with chloroform and kills him and gets away with it. Because she is unhappy with the marriage. Because, okay, (laughs) this is going on a tangent, but I feel like I should bring it up. He's got this weird, like... He gets off on her trimming his nose hairs? Well, that's definitely one of the weirdest fetishes I've heard of. Yeah, it's really weird. I'm sure I've heard of a weirder one, though, but I can't think of it at this time. And it's so... What's really weird about it is that, like, all the information online about this movie is super vague. Like, it just says, oh, uh, orphaned girl turns 18 and marries an older, wealthy man and has to deal with his sexual desires. That's all the sexual desires are, though, is he he likes when she trims his nose hairs. He does also spy on her in her room sometimes, but, like, it's such a weird movie. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, anyways, um, got any other school-related films you want to bring up? Uh, well, there's one. I could think of uh, that is school related to a degree, although the exact degree I can't remember because it's been a because it's been an exceptionally long time since I've seen this movie. Uh, this this is one of those movies. This is a movie that every time I think of it, I think, man, I'm surprised I like this movie because it doesn't like because it doesn't like immediately come off as the type of, type of movie that I would normally like. So, uh, Noah, 
You ever seen Mean Girls? I haven't, but it is on my 100 Movies Bucket List poster. And also people just our age love it, and there's a musical based on it, so I was bound to see it at some yeah. point. I haven't well, seen it yet. I haven't seen it in a while, but pretty good. Oh, alright. Like I said, another kind of movie that I initially would have thought I would like, but it's quite good. Memory. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, that is weird. And that actually, I I was thinking about doing a, a an episode of the podcast. Um, because I I got the inspiration for this um because of your shock to learn that I was into Big Brother. Um, <laughs> just an episode where we talk about movies that we didn't expect to like but like just movies that like didn't seem like movies that would interest us that end up being like some of our favorites we we i mean that maybe we don't fill a whole episode with that but i i'm sure that would be something we could talk about in the future yeah really um they're worried I'm going to have issues thinking of the exact movies. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've got one. I got one. And if got we mean do girls. that episode, I'll, I'll try to watch Mean Girls by that point. Yeah, um, I'll probably watch it again if we do that episode. Yeah. Uh. Anyway. Actually, speaking of movies I didn't think I would like, um... As, well, as much as I did, anyway. Um, zombies. Oh yeah, zombies. That that counts as a school-related movie. We've of course talked yeah. about it at length on the podcast, but like, still pretty good. I still haven't seen the sequel, but I believe they recently added it to Disney Plus. Hmm. Or maybe not. I, I'm gonna double check that. Um, cause again, I hear I've seen Alex Myers's video on it. Okay, no, it's not on Disney Plus yet, but it has a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. The sequel? Yeah. It, granted, <laughs> only five critics have reviewed it. Oh God! But it's got a hundred percent. God damn it! Are we going to have to see zombies when we get to that year? Zombies, zombies when we get to that year. Um. Well, that's for this year. That th zombies two came out this year. That It'll would be, a be while, my so choice. So it might be on Disney Plus by then. Yeah, yeah, because I seem to remember them announcing it was coming to Disney Plus. Uh, oh wait, hang on, I may have just double checked it. Um, hang on, is this right? Uh, it's set to always open. Hang on. Oh no, it's giving me. Why is it? Yes. Yeah, okay. Open in this app? Come on. Wow, you're not working with me, huh, phone? <laughs> Hang on. Wait. Wait for it. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. Zombies 2 has not been added to Disney Plus yet, even though it definitely made it look like it was. Hmm. When I googled... Uh, except it didn't, and then it did. Uh, whatever. The Peanuts movie got added recently, though, which oh, also oh, technically counts. Dizzy. Which also technically counts as school related. 
Have you seen yeah. the Peanuts movie? I have Peanuts not, movie? but I feel like it's a Minnesotan. I probably should at some point. It is. Oh yeah, I forget he's from Minnesota. Um, it. I. I have. I. I saw it. I actually saw it in theaters when it came out, and it was also back when um my mom was dating a guy with like a two year old son, so we actually brought uh-huh. him to see it. Um, and it was. It was. Really, it was way better than I expected it to be, honestly. Um, nice. it's it's got so much heart to it, and really, do, it it isn't trying to do anything. It's not really trying to do anything new with the brand, which is actually a benefit to it. It's it's very much paying respect to the original source material in every way. Um, like, they didn't try to modernize it or anything. They're not using cell phones or laptops or anything. Like, Snoopy still uses a typewriter. Um, <laughs> they have to write a book essay in war, on War and Peace, which... <laughs> oh, God, War and Peace. Which, uh, which is definitely not my... Oh, uh, man, I recently it. watched a video on War and Peace. Yeah. It turns out, I, I think... A- it's possible that okay, because like there's like a common like idea surrounding War and Peace is like it's this massively long book, uh, but it's a, actually kind of similar in length to Lord of the Rings. I mean, to be fair, those are also pretty long. They they are, but like I have read the Lord of the Rings trilogy as one book, so I have read something quite close in length to <laughs> War and Peace. Yeah. Um, Which just feels weird to think about. I, is this, I feel like this is a good time to mention, I have no fucking clue what War and Peace is actually about. Honestly, that's also kind of, okay. Uh, like, does it, anyone? It, it, okay. Sort of, but, okay, the general sense that I got was War and Peace, with the writing process, started as one thing but then the author broke uh, themselves into a corner where they had to go with it. That caused them to want to make just this really big, convoluted, like almost convoluted, fairly convoluted story at times about just people's lives. There's a lot of characters, and a lot of them show up for like very little time and then fuck off to oblivion. <laughs> Never to be mentioned again. Well, uh, but it does I, like have some characters that it follows more. Yeah. Let me put it this way: there has been like no successful adaptation of War and Peace that adapts more than a sliver of War and Peace. Just because there's so much in War and Peace. Yeah, understandable. I just remembered one of the great. Um, jokes in the Peanuts movie, and that is, at first, when they're assigned the book report, um, Charlie Brown thinks the book is Leo's Toy Store by Warren Peace, <laughs> and then learns to find out it's Warren, War and Peace by Leo, it's Leo Tolstoy, right? Tolstoy, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so so that's a that's a cute little joke there. That's a fun, that's a nice joke. Um, 
Yeah, no, the movie, but, the movie's fun. Yeah, Actually, reminds, I talked about it a little bit in our adaptations episode. I remember, but yeah, it's 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 very good. It reminds me of one joke from one of the like one of the special episodes from oh god, I can't remember. Can't believe I remembered the show. Uh, Sunny with a Chance from Disney Channel. Oh my god, yeah, that show. That show. Yeah, because there's a because like, like there's a special like special episode or something. Where she's going, like, Sunny is going back to school, and on her way back, she's trying to desperately finish a book report that she never fin- that she never got around to doing. And it was like, she thinks the book report's supposed to be about, like, the grapes of raw, and then she gets back to school and finds out that it was supposed to be racing in the sun. Oh. Uh, yeah, wow. Uh, I do remember, I specifically remember that. Holy shit! Yeah, wow, God, that was. Uh, a- I remember that episode. The premise of the show, which was Saturday, which was <laughs> yeah, Saturday Night Live for kids, yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, and then the sequel show that was like, because like the show follows like the cast of what is essentially just Saturday Night Live for kids, and then they had a sequel show that which just was Saturday Night Live for kids. Well, yeah, because I remember the tagline was like. The show within a show is now its own show. (laughs) And then it only lasted for one season. And they also did that. Like, they actually did that because Demi Lovato went into rehab. Ah. Wow. Um, So, yeah. (laughs) And then it only lasted for one season because it was bad. (laughs) <laughs> the, the 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 so random spinoff anyway that I, I think Sunny with a Chance itself lasted for like two or three seasons, which still just, isn't good. It, but okay, okay. The, the the premise feels like it could work. But... Well, I don't think the show itself was bad. Again, it got it got canceled because of Demi no, Lovato. I mean, I mean, I mean, no, I mean like. Saturday Night Live for kids feels yeah. like it could work as a premise. But. Well, yeah, they did it with Mad TV. True, <laughs> true. Um. Uh. Anyway. Um. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Oh God. Um. Oh, what other school-related movies? Um, Darnie Darko involves a school with. <laughs> oh God! You're right. Yeah, that does technically count. Um. God, that movie, God, I, I, st- I still, like, I feel like I've gotten mentally over that, um, I'm not sure, uh, <laughs> like, that movie was so good, but, like, still, like, totally fucked me up, um, I will never listen to, uh, memes regarding Mad World the same way again, <laughs> um, that said, they do a pretty good job with them in real-time fandom. Because... <laughs> I mean, this is a d- complete tangent, but in the Sonic 06 dub they did, um, when Silver and Blaze first arrive in the present, and Blaze is just kind of walking around, looking at the world, the, the, the actress voicing Blaze in the dub... Um, s- just start singing, 
All around me are familiar blazes, <laughs> worn out blazes. What is so funny? And then she interrupts herself and is like, Is that what a house looks like? Oh my god. <laughs> Oh, God, I really need to show you more real-time fan-dubs, because they're so good. I haven't watched any of them in a long time, too. Um, God, yeah, those are so good. Like, like, we will never... Like, we've had some great moments on dubbers, but we will never reach their level. <laughs> Mostly because like, they have a much higher production value. Yeah. They actually edit their dubs, and... <laughs> Also, there's more than three people in one dub. <laughs> yeah. Also, I feel, I feel like saying that they have a higher production value is almost misleading because that implies that we have a production value. That's true. That's true. <laughs> we don't. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Liam edited the first couple, but then I just decided I wanted to get them out for people to see and didn't want to take up his time with editing them. So... That's why we killed off the editor, quite literally. Uh, like, in the canon. Um, oh, speaking of... Because you brought up Dar Donnie Darko. Speaking of um, cult classics from the 2000s, Napoleon Dynamite. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, get it. I was going to also. I also wanted to bring it to Napoleon Dynamite, but then we went on our tangent there yeah, for a no, minute, but... and it just completely fell out of my mind. Yeah, Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, um, yeah, Napoleon Dynamite is great. I haven't seen it in a while, but same here. Um, that actually, actually, both that and School of Rock hold very special places in my heart because my dad introduced me to them. Mm -hmm. Both of them. And as I mentioned on a previous episode, he, my sister and I also watched the very terrible c cartoon adaptation of Napoleon Dynamite together. That mm -hmm. lasted for, what, eight episodes Something before it was canceled that, yeah. because it was so bad. But the movie is so good. Um... I need... I, I really need to watch Napoleon Dynamite again. And not just in a man, that was a good movie, I should watch that again kind of way. I feel like I need to watch it again, because the first time I watched the movie, I I liked it, but I feel like... Okay. I feel like I just wasn't, at that age, used to the kind of movie it was. Yeah. And so, I feel like I, so I feel like I need to go back and watch the movie again to, like... Really uh, like give it its own, like... It. Yeah, like... Give it a fairer shot in my mind because even though i enjoyed the movie i feel like i could have enjoyed it a lot more if i was just used like used to or just aware of what kind of movie it was going to be before watching because i've been familiar with the name of napoleon dynamite beforehand but i was never aware of what it was or what it was like oh man there was actually recently like really recently uh a bunch of the cast members came to minnesota to do like a screening and meet and greet Oh, really? Yeah, but it was, like, way too expensive for me and my... Like, me and my sister both really wanted to go, but it was super expensive. Like, nah. we just couldn't afford to go. Um, wow. Oh, I'm just looking this up. John Hedder, who plays Napoleon Dynamite, only got paid $1,000 for it. 
that uh, that's insane well because i mean it was super low budget but, but like still i mean it only had a budget of 40 of four hundred thousand. so like but yeah wow did, did, did any of my random noises come through there because i oh, literally yes, could not form words yes, in response definitely. to that yeah jesus christ yeah wow, wow. I mean, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's... I mean, that. I feel like that's probably, like... I think that, like, as far as cult status, that has got to be, like, our generation's equivalent to the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, God, yeah. Which, I mean, like, I also love the Rocky Horror Picture Show, as evidenced by the logo of this podcast. <laughs> um... One third of which is the Rocky Horror Picture Show, um, but uh, yeah, like like just as far because that yeah that that's probably like the biggest cult classic I can think of from the two thousands. Um, I mean there there's plenty. I again Donnie Darko's another one, um, but like yeah I think Napoleon Dynamite as far as that. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. I haven't seen it in a long time either. I would I would really like to uh, give it another watch. Um, uh, what other movies we got? We well, this movies? one that I feel like we should at least mention. One that this conversation will feel almost incomplete without mentioning. One that just needs to be brought up at some point. Oh my God. But unfortunately, I have not seen The Breakfast Club yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, I have. Um, it is very good. Um, uh, yeah, and this is one of... This is one of my mom's all-time favorites, actually. Um, like I, I actually recently asked her like what her favorite movie was. Uh -huh. Um, and she she couldn't give me like a, a straight answer for what her favorite movie of all time. She just gave me like a couple examples of like some of her favorites of all time. Um, and, and we had actually a really interesting discussion about like how both of our film interests have changed so vastly over in recent years. Nah. Because she, like me, has also gotten more into, like, like she she just described it as, like, she, she just recently became so interested in just finding really well-made films. Uh-huh. Um, so, like, which, which, I mean, yeah, me becoming a film minor, I'm definitely the same way. Um, so we, that, that was a really nice discussion, but yeah, Breakfast Club is one of our all-time favorites. Um, yeah, I've seen it once. I, I, I did enjoy it. Um, it's interesting cause my, my mom also described to me that like back then, like back when that movie originally came out, she, she actually told me that like a, in a lot of cases, like people were either a fan of The Breakfast Club or a fan of The Princess Bride, which does, I mean, I guess the only relation being that they came out, I guess, in, like, probably in the same year. 
but like other than that, not related at all. <laughs> this. <laughs> and like, and like she, she. Was, I was not aware that Breakfast Club was involved in its own version of Power Rangers versus Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Um, it, all, all I had to say is, like, I, I do enjoy the, bre- I, I did enjoy the Breakfast Club when watching it. If I were to take sides in that, which I, I think that's a ridiculous debate because the movies aren't at all related, um, I would probably take the side of Princess Bride, but Breakfast Club is still good. Also, there's that really weird episode of the Nickelodeon show Victorious that is a parody of the Breakfast Club. Oh, God. You're going to have to be more specific when you say that weird episode of Victorious. That's true. Well, no, there's literally <laughs> an episode, it's called The Breakfast Bunch, where it's just, it completely, like, as far as I know, it's, like, not canon at all. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, like, it's it's just the characters from Victorious playing out the breakfast club but for kids so it's like instead of um the one character making fun of the one girl for being a virgin she's making fun of her for being a vegan (laughs) and then instead of pot they get tacos snuck into the school Fuck, I remember the tacos bit, actually. I remember the tacos bit. Yeah, no. I remember nothing else. It's such a... Well, and the weird thing is, of course, being the age I was when Victorious was on the air, I saw that first before The Breakfast Club. So, like, seeing The Breakfast Club for the first time was really weird, because it was like, oh, that's what they were doing in that episode. It's so weird when shows for, like, younger kids do episodes that are just, like, parodies of things their parents have would have watched. Yeah, it's really weird. My only guess is that, like, uh, as to Because, like, it's, it's, it's good to do things to make sure that, like, because a lot of times, like, parents will be sitting there with their kids watching shows, so it's good to make sure the parents are still entertained, but it's so weird to do something that's, like, so targeted directly at the parents in that I also, way. I also can't imagine that the parents would, who had seen The Breakfast Club would like this par- parody. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just very odd. And, um... Yeah, the only reason I can think of to justify its existence is, like, the fact that, like maybe the people working on like like the people working on the show or maybe the cast members themselves really liked the movie and just decided <laughs> hey let's do an homage to that and it won't make any sense for the kids watching the show like <laughs> cuz again like none of like it's so clearly not canon but that's weird, because, like, the last... Because I think that was in the last season of Victorious, and that last season got so strange. Oh, God, really? Yeah, that last season got really weird. I don't remember any other specific examples, but I just remember, like, 
even as a kid, actually, when how how old would I have been when Victoria's was like how old exactly? Um, let's see here. So it lasted from two. 2010 to 2013 so i would have been in middle school when it was ending i just like even at that age i remember thinking that it just was going completely off the rails in that last season um yeah so yeah that was yeah that was just a thing and then of course now victorious has found newfound popularity because of netflix <laughs> um oh netflix which is yeah i mean they've been they've they've been giving newfound popularity to a lot of really good shows like avatar the last airbender and hannibal which i finished watching uh by the way nice um final class on it i guess um i might make a video talking about i i actually kind of want to make a series of videos talking about all the screen adaptations of those books um i of course need to see the other movies first but um i'm just so fascinated with that world and i also really want to read the books too um which is saying something, because I have not wanted to read a book in so long. Oh, God, I, I recently <laughs> was able to give myself, like, I hadn't read a book in a long time, like, for non-class stuff for, in a while yeah. either, and I was recently able to start, and I started getting myself to read books. By the way, uh, for anyone wondering, uh, Murder on the Orient Express, pretty good, but also would help, to, but also reading it, Helpful to have just passing knowledge of casual French phrases. Yeah. <laughs> because there's a lot of just casually spoken, untranslated French sentences <clears throat> in this book. Yeah. Also, the, the film adaptations are pretty decent. I've seen both of them. Um, I, think I the really new, need to see them. I think the new one gets a lot of unnecessary hate just because people think it's not as good as the original. But it's still pretty good, and it's got an amazing cast. Yeah, and then it's got a, yeah, a follow-up coming out at some point uh, um, with Death on the Nile. Yeah, it was supposed to come out this year. But then the thing happened. Yeah, everything the happened. The Backstreet Boys reunion tour. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. Um, I don't think I have anything else to say. We're, we're about at time. Oh, speaking of upcoming sequels... Dirty Dancing 2 is happening? I wanted to bring that up, because why? Like, Patrick Swayze's dead. They are bringing... They are doing it with Jennifer Tilly. I haven't seen the original Dirty Dancing, but I'm just like, what? Like, why are is, you doing that now? Is, is Dirty Dancing the movie where the quote, nobody puts baby in a corner comes from? Yes. Okay. That is the one thing I know from Dirty Dancing, then. Yeah. Also, uh, the and song... And only because it's quoted in a Transformers movie. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. And CinemaSense pointed it out. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, also, it, it um, it's where the song I've Had the Time of My Life comes from. Oh. Uh, which, of course, the Black Eyed, Pe the Black Eyed Peas did a terrible uh, 
cover slash remix of it, it weird it, it was weird um also some other brief film news i wanted to just bring up before we uh get into our um film challenge film uh mulan remake coming to disney plus for an additional yep. 30 bucks is bullshit yeah, that's it's just like really all like, I, un- to say like I understand them wanting like maybe put a bigger price like on it because it was supposed to, like it's like the because there's a there's a chance they might still lose money on it just from how long they've been sitting on it. Yeah, because of COVID, but thirty dollars is still just that's a lot yeah, for a movie. Like, like even if like the target audience is like decently sized families and it will be it would have cost probably that much. And, Movie tickets for a streamed movie, that's a lot. Yeah. It, like, I thought, I, like, I, I, I thought it was ridiculous when people, when people were doing $20 rentals for, uh, movies that were supposed to come out in theaters. I now get it, at, at least for, like, family films, like, Trolls yeah. World Tour and Scoob. Yeah, I, yeah, um, I get it for those, easily, yeah. But, like, um... Yeah, no, $30 is a lot. And I was and I'm excited to see the Mulan remake. But like I think it actually looks like it could be one of the most original Disney remakes, which feels like an oxymoron. <laughs> but it looks like it's actually going to, you know, differ a lot from the original film, which is good. I'm not paying $30 for it. I'm going to wait yeah. until I can get it either much cheaper or free on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Um, speaking of Disney's ridiculous business practices, New Mutants is still scheduled for the end of August, which is in two weeks. It's, it's proposed release date is in two weeks. Ursa, I think. Or no, maybe tickets are going on sale in two weeks. But, like, New Mutants is still scheduled for the end of August. That's... Okay. Okay, on one hand, that's kind of ridiculous. On another hand... On on the other hand, they do have a contractual obligation to release it in theaters, so I I can kind of understand. But on the third... Mutant hand, like mutated, not supposed to be their hand. <laughs> For insane. any other movie, I would actually be willing to believe it comes out on in August. But it's New Mutants. It would be weirder if it did come out in August. Well, to be okay, honest, here's what I'm thinking at this point. At this point, they again they have the legal obligate they they are legally required to release it in theaters. I think at this point, they just don't want to have to deal with it anymore and are cutting their losses on this particular film and just releasing it in theaters at the end of August. Because here's the thing, I mean, theaters overseas are still open again. True, because overseas people, they're handling it a lot better than here in the U.S. Yeah. Um, Uh, New Zealand has gotten like a couple weeks of no new cases. Yeah. And then there's us. Yeah. I uh, wish I I kind of wish I lived in New Zealand where things apparently make more sense. Oh god. Oh god, New Zealand has just got me thinking about um 
the me- the Jodie Foster mesmerized movie again because it was it takes place in New Zealand. It was filmed in New Zealand, and Liam and I actually looked at the trivia, the IMDb trivia, because we watched it on Amazon Prime, and you know how Amazon Prime, like, is connected to IMDb, and, ha- like, if you're watching a movie on Amazon Prime, you can click, like, left to get trivia on the movie? I do now. Okay, well, um... That's a nice feature. Yeah, it is, it is a nice feature. And also, uh, you can click to see the cast, and for a lot of, for a lot of stuff... It'll, like, if you click to see the cast, it'll show you the cast based on who is currently on screen. Oh, nice. Like, it does that for Spongebob. Nice. So you know who's voicing what character, which is really cool. Yeah, um, that is, that's a really cool feature. Wow. Yeah, it is really cool. Um, But we were looking at the trivia, and apparently, like, the New Zealand Actors Union got really pissed at this movie's production because, like, you know, there were a couple people from New Zealand who were hired to be in the movie, but, like, the majority of the cast was American, including, of course, the two stars, Jodie Foster and John Lithgow, so they got Uh really mad about that. Which, I mean, like, okay. (laughs) And I've I've heard New Zealand's been, like, kind of hit hot, like, Hit surprisingly hard by the film industry. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the impression I I got from reading that. So yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, although they it is where they they filmed uh, Lord of the Rings in New Zealand. Yeah, right? I believe those are actually related to part of the problem. Actually. Oh, oh yeah, I guess it's, it's been a while since I've heard the full story of it, but like. It's surprisingly interesting and also kind of sad. So you guys should go like check it out. Yeah, I believe like I believe like Lindsay Ellis has a video where she talks about it. If you have oh. any interest in video essay type stuff, yeah, I've I've seen I think I've seen some of Lindsay Ellis's stuff. I know I've sent you at least one of her videos. She does pretty good stuff. Okay, yeah. Um. Anyways, uh, let's move on to our uh, films of the years of our lives challenge. Yeah. Loading. Oh wait, shit! I turned it down, didn't I? Well, either way, I'm glad they're moving on because I definitely forgot what we were talking about right before we got to New Zealand. Okay, hang on. I had the phone turned down. From the day he was born, he was I feel the need to point out two things. Three things. One, I remember that it was the mutants. Two, I'm for some reason I'm actually morbidly curious enough about new mutants that part of like that the stupid part of me kind of wants to go out to theaters to see it, even though the rest of me knows it's a terrible idea. And three, uh, when coding. At this point in time, whenever I'm testing something that requires, like, a sentence, like, or just, like, any number of words, uh, 
I just use at age six, I was born without a face <laughs> as like a default sentence. Yes. So if I ever make it, so I ever make like a popular game in the future and something glitches out and the text at age six, I was born without a face comes up. You, you sort of managed to get the default text to show up. Congratulations. Yo, that would actually be really cool to have like, I, I'm sure the game grumps would be honored. <laughs> Uh, to have, like, a game developed where you can get a glitch that references that. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah. Oh, man. That guy, well, in that case, I also need to find, in that case, I think game, I also need to find a way to, find a way that if a certain kind of glitch occurs, then something from, then something where I think Proton John will, will appear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because it would almost, because it would almost feel, feel wrong if that was a possibility. That I could take, and I did not reference Proton oh John at God, some that, point. I that would be so, and it'd be so fun to see like either of their reactions <laughs> to that, to just them being referenced in a glitch. Like that would be so funny. Anyways, um, moving on to actual film stuff. Um, we uh, this was uh, two thousand one. Uh, and it was Jacob's pick for a movie. And for this movie, I picked Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Would you like to give a brief summary on this movie? Uh, plot? sure. Uh, so, uh, the movie follows a linguist named Milo as he gets recruited on an expedition to Atlantis, uh, funded by, funded in, funded by an old friend of his grandfather who was a famous, though somewhat disgraced, explorer. Uh, so he and a colorful cast of characters go, to, go, down, to, go down to Atlantis, uh, where Atlantis is, discovers Atlantis, uh, meets the Atlanteans that are still down there, because of course, uh, and then a conflict arises with Everyone but Milo being there to steal this ancient power source that ran that that basically sustains Atlantis and Milo mostly being there for the archaeology of it. And then there's a scene with, and then eventually there's a scene scene where uh, Milo and most of the other named characters are on like. Ancient super technology style hovercrafts uh, to try fighting to try and take back the stolen energy source, which has possessed which has possessed Milo's new now love interest character, whose name I forget uh, because the Atlanteans are inconsequential to their own movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they defeat the villain. Bring it back. Uh, everyone but Milo is like gets treasure and returns to the surface. But Milo stays down in Atlantis to help them translate uh, the lost language. Of, you know, translate their lost language and recover their culture. Well, based on your earlier comment, I get the feeling I know how you feel about this movie. Okay, it's it's weird. It's weird because I I. I kind of enjoyed the movie, but it just 
in my okay, opening thoughts. I kind of enjoy the movie, but it does not hold. But in my mind, it does not hold up well to thinking about it. But not like in the normal way, where like the more I think of it, like the angrier I get. It's just like I think about it, and I think, huh, that doesn't really make sense. Oh well, it's a fun enough. It's a fun enough ride while you're just sitting there. Yeah, uh, my initial thoughts. I think this is easily the worst movie we've watched for this particular film challenge so far. I mean, far. that's not hard. Yeah, no. So it's, far. It's almost an accomplishment. <laughs> based on the movies we've watched, like, yeah. being so amazing so far. But I still, I did enjoy it for the most part, but I do have a significant number of issues yeah. with it. Which... Which, honestly, lines up perfectly with Jello Apocalypse, apparently. Because <laughs> I remember, because I specifically remember him, um, like in his every Pixar film reviewed in ten words or less, he went over more in depth on his grading system and what each number meant. Um, yeah. And uh, when he was talking about a 7 out of 10, um, he was saying, I often give a 7 to movies that I think are mostly really good with some pretty noteworthy flaws, and Atlantis creeps in. Yeah. Like, um, which, uh, in, in the same way I made the poster for Avengers Endgame creep in in my Toy Story 3 video when I was talking about how great Toy Story was for being able to tell a great story in under 90 minutes. <laughs> uh, uh, but we're not here to talk about Endgame, because if we today. talk about Endgame, I'm going to make people angry. <laughs> Including Jacob, possibly. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway. I mean, I mean, I like Endgame, but it's not, I don't think it's a movie that I'd get angry over, really. Okay. Good. Like, like, like the angriest that I'll get over Endgame is someone saying they don't like that characters die in the movie. Yeah. <sighs> well, good, good. Because I have definitely, I mean, okay, I'm not going to name names, but I've dated someone who has gotten angry with me over Endgame. And not because of the movie itself, but because I saw it without them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> With um, me. Yeah. And, yeah, you're one I saw it with. Oh, uh, man. Um, oh, wait. Have I ever confessed to Okay, we're going off topic. But did I ever confess to you that I actually ended up spoiling myself for Endgame before seeing it? I've... I'm not sure. Well, just because... Okay. Because I get that it was a big event for a lot of people. I was not nearly invested in the MCU as most people. And when yeah. I was scrolling YouTube, literally the day after it came out, just all of a sudden, in my, in my recommended videos, was a video titled... It, it, was, it was someone who had filmed the film in a theater, and the moot and the... The video was just titled Captain America Wields Mjolnir in Avengers Endgame. And it was just that scene filmed in a theater. And I was like, well, shit, now I know that happens. And then <laughs> I, I just clicked on the video to see it. 
and then this person's entire channel was just illegally filmed scenes for, with spoilers for Endgame. So I just, <laughs> I was just like, fuck it, I don't care that much, I'm just gonna watch them. So I found out about Black Widow's death, Iron Man's death, way before seeing the movie. <laughs> okay, yeah, you definitely didn't mention that part before. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Anyway. So Atlantis, the Lost Empire. Let's talk Atlantis. more in depth about it. Um, first thing I want. What did you think? I, oh, sorry. You, you want? To oh, oh, no. Place. What were you gonna say? I was going to say, uh, like, first of all, what do you think of the characters in the movie? Um, one thing I will give this film an immense amount of credit on. This is probably the most diverse cast I've ever seen for a Disney film. Yeah. Which is really nice. Yeah. Um, like, um, now that does bring up the issue of it basically being a, of Milo basically being a white savior. Yeah. To the Atlanteans. Yeah. Um. But at least, at the very least, uh, he's not like, at the very least, he's like less, to, but at the very least, like, that's an issue, but at the very least, he's not like a, He's more of an atypical, like, male protagonist at the very least. Yeah, and at least... Where he's, he's not, like, some big buff guy or yeah. something like he In is, fact, like, a he's like, scrawny, like, he is a linguist. Skinny. He is uncomfortably is skinny. Like, I, like, when looking at him when he, like, wasn't wearing a shirt with sleeves, like, I got uncomfortable with those arms. <laughs> like, he was uncomfortably skinny. And I think I was uncomfortable because it reminded me of me. um i do i will say um i also do really like michael j fox in this role he he does he plays the role very well of course michael j fox most people know as marty mcfly in back to the future um i know him better for Stuart little where he voices Stuart little oh shit that was him yeah and I will not, I like, I cannot tell you how many times I was watching this movie and Milo would say things, especially when he was, like, nervously screaming, that I just imagined Stuart Little. <laughs> so, like, that, that took me out of it a little bit, but I still think Michael J. Fox was perfect for this role. Um, as much as Disney has had issues in the past with unnecessarily casting celebrities as... Uh, characters in their films. I think Michael J. Fox fits this role pretty well. Yeah. Um, I do like a lot of the other characters. Um, I hate Mole. I, yeah. He just came off as really annoying for me. Okay, I, I don't hate him, but I definitely don't like him. Yeah. And it's um, kind of amusing that, like, the movie is aware... Of Mole's badness. Yeah, I mean, the movie is definitely makes it... Like, he's definitely the one that nobody really likes. And that's uh, that's kind of the point of his character, I guess. But I, I still, like, it, it still bothered me. Um, it's so interesting... Okay. Um, I also want to... Like, okay... This is gonna make me sound horrible, but oh like boy. this is also like weird. This movie weirdly 
Like, I didn't expect this to be the movie of all movies for Disney that probably has some of the sexiest characters. <laughs> like, like, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Helga. I know. I I am familiar. I know exactly who you're talking about, partly because the movie makes a joke about it around one of the moments for it. Yeah, Hel both Helga and Kida are are both very like attractively drawn and nah. it feels it, it feels a little weird at times and also because it feels really weird helga like oh first of all do not bing image search helga from atlantis with safe search off don't do that don't well don't. i wasn't well i wouldn't have used bing anyway but <laughs> I'm making the Presumably, the results would be similar on Google, I'd imagine. I Google's a little better, I think, with safe search. A bit, but, but still. I, um, I guess just in general, I've learned that I shouldn't leave safe search off on <laughs> Bing. Because we also... <laughs> we ran into a very funny... I, did I tell you about the moment that um, I had an issue with that uh, during one of the dubs? I can't actually remember if you or, did. Just it was go over it anyway. One of the dubs, um, and so it basically what had happened was so we were dubbing uh, Veggie Tales, the toy that saved Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, and we so. Alex, of course, has never seen an episode of VeggieTales. Well, he has now, but he hadn't before we dubbed uh, The Toy That Saved Christmas. Um, and he still hasn't technically seen a good episode of VeggieTales, because he, he actually joined us for A Miserable Movie Monday, where we watched one of the bad ones. Um, yeah. So, I was just... Just to familiarize my, just to familiarize Alex so that he knew which characters he was voicing, I was using Bing to search up images of his uh, characters, um, just just so that he knew what they looked like, um, and I figured, hey, this would make for fun content introducing Alex to these. Uh, VeggieTales <laughs> characters. I will, I will actually start recording now. Um, and so we, we were almost done with showing him his characters. And I typed in, cause he was voicing Junior's dad in, in the dub. And so I typed in Junior's dad and pressed enter. A lot more naked men than I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> and I immediately stopped the recording and closed the window and was like, okay, let's start this over and I'm going to turn safe search back to modern. <laughs> oh God. Reminds me of my like one safe search story. <laughs> but it was a safe search story that it's not like it's like a different kind of safe search story though, because my story involves safe search being on. Oh, 
It's okay. Because I remember, you remember back to our Photoshop class in high school? Yeah, our, you, our web page design one, you mean? Right, 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 yeah, that, yeah, it was that one. Uh, I, I believe it was during this class anyway. Uh, there was an instance where I was looking up a picture, I think it was an oak tree on Google Images. And I was looking at the images, and for whatever reason, one of the images, which was surprisingly high up, was labeled as being blocked by Safe Search. <laughs> oh. Oh. Okay. And I could not for the life of me think of why, at least for it being that high up in Google Image Search. That's real. yeah, okay. Um... Anyway, Atlantis. Yeah, God, we need to actually stay on track with this. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, there... And it's so... I, I found it so weird because, like, Helga is set up as, like, this... Like, weirdly, it feels out of place in this movie because she's yeah. set up like a femme fatale. Like, your typical film noir femme fatale. And then she just doesn't do much for the rest of the movie until yeah. the finale. Um, I she will becomes say one of the villains. Yeah, I will say, um, my favorite character is um the Russian guy who's obsessed with explosives. <laughs> I absolutely love him. He, he, he is, is so. He's got so many great comedic moments. I can't think of the specific lines, but, like, most of the time, if, if like, this movie made me laugh, most of the time it was him. I remember very much enjoying the scene where, like, the villains are carting away the, are carting away the power source, uh, which is fused of Hira. Uh, I had a point in the movie because, plot reasons. Uh, and... Milo starts to like, go running after them, but the guy, the guy just, like, catches up to goes, wait, and then the bridge explodes, and then they're lying there on the ground, like, looking at the explosion, and the guy goes, to go, okay, now go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got he's got a lot of really good moments. Um, and like like, because he also like this like somewhat deadpan Russian accent. Too. Yeah, no, he reminded me a lot of um the guy in Ratatouille who killed the man with this thumb. <laughs> like he rhymed, <laughs> he reminded me a lot of that guy. Um. Uh, this of course came first, but um, yeah. And also the the last thing I wanted to say about the characters in general, um. The, the villain. Yeah, uh, the villain. Commander What's-His-Face. Lyle, I think? <laughs> Maybe. Um, I, feel like we should actually, I feel like we should actually just Google this. Yeah, okay. I, I will just say, I knew he was the villain going into this, mostly because of our Disney villains tier list we did. Because if you'll remember, he was included in the bonus chin tier. <laughs> when we did that with Alex. Oh, God, I forgot we did that. Yeah. Um, because of his chin. And yes, this this movie did confirm that... that, that Rourke, yeah, Commander Rourke. Yeah, the chin. Uh, yeah, Commander Rourke. I, it seemed to remember him having a first name. I seem to remember it being Lyle, but I don't know if that's correct. 
and I owned a beer just listed as, listed as Rourke. Um, but even if I didn't know he was the villain, I would have known from the moment he stepped on screen that he was a villain. He just screamed terror, like generic action movie villain to me. Yeah, like okay, I had, I had the screen. exact same reaction. Literally, the thought that went through my mind when he came on screen was, "Oh, he must be the villain. His, his art style is totally different from everyone else's." Yeah. Even even if this film was live action, you would be able to tell. Yeah. Um, which apparently there's rumors of a live action remake in the works. Honestly, that's like one. Honestly, this would be like one of a few of the Disney live action movies that I would kind of, actually be kind of interested to see. Yeah, just to see how they could improve it. Honestly, um, and apparently, like, well, a lot of people. I, I like. I think part of this is rumor, and part of this is a lot of people just wanting it to happen. A lot of people want Tom Holland as Milo. Which I think would actually work pretty well. Yeah, I can see it. Um, but anyways, uh, regardless. Um, yeah, so that's what I wanted to say about the characters in general. Um, oh, okay. So Sorry, sorry. I was trying to be and I could, I was looking through it and I couldn't find anyone who was given an acting credit for Mole. And I'm Wanted to be make sure that there actually wasn't any anyone listed there before I made a joke about it, but apparently his full name is Moliere, which makes sense because he's French. Yeah, yeah, and it's shortened to Mol because he's obsessed with dirt. Yeah. Okay, man, I would have I would have almost loved if like that character hadn't been given an acting credit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, not. That would have been hilarious. Not even the actor playing him wants to be around <laughs> him. <laughs> like, oh man. Um, I will also say, like, I will say, I was definitely the most interested in this film at the very beginning and the very end. Like, I, I think it had an interesting premise, but then. It, I feel like it turned into, like, every other treasure-hunting movie. Yeah, like, there, 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 are po okay. there are points, like, at various times in the movie where I was thinking to myself, huh, this feels surprisingly Uncharted-like. Well, yeah, it, it, but it's just, like... Like, honestly, like, there are, like, a bunch of sequences in the movie where, where if there was, like, if one of the main Uncharted games had been... It, had been Nathan Drake finds Atlantis, which think about it is almost kind of weird that none of them were. Because yeah. <laughs> like okay, the third one is that they're finding like the desert equivalent of Atlantis. Yeah, and it almost feels weird in hindsight that none of them were Atlantis, considering the series. Anyways, I also think... like it, like there's several sequences that I was thinking to myself where I thought were me thinking to myself, you know what? If this was in an, you know, I could definitely see this exact kind of sequence in an Uncharted game, especially the final fight scene where it's Milo versus the guy and then just, like, climbing around on the thing, holding the treasure. That's surprising. That, that in my mind, it's like a mixture of, like, three different scenes from Uncharted. Which, okay, now that I think about it, now I don't want Tom Holland to play Milo, but only because he's also playing Nathan Drake. Nathan Drake, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, although, we, although it would be kind of funny if... Sorry. Just, although if, if he does play Milo and he does play Nathan Drake, I want to play young Indiana Jones just so that Tom Holland specifically could essentially become the new Indiana Jones. <laughs> in my he, mind, no, he goes from being typecast as an awkward teenager... To he just be typecast as, as treasure hunters. <laughs> <laughs> Which, no, technically he's already got that with Onward, too. Oh, right, Because yeah. Onward is double-dipping with the awkward teenager and treasure hunter. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, damn it. Oh. Oh, now I want a Spider-Man treasure hunting movie with Kraven the Hunter as the villain. Okay, there was a sequence of one of the Spider-Man this sequence of one of the Spider-Man video games where like it was a Craven the Hunter themed segment and it was Spider-Man going through an ancient temple trying to like track down Craven the Hunter and fight him. That is that is cool. I like yeah. that. Um I want to say it was Web of Shadows, but I can't remember for sure. Yeah, um oh, what was I what else was I going to say? Um I also Speaking of feeling very familiar, I feel like this movie is also a lot more Star Wars than it meant to be. Really? With, okay. Um, specifically with, like, the ship battles, and also... Ah, uh, I can, I, I can kind of see that. And also, that. like, even at the beginning, like, with the underwater one where they're fighting the, like, mechanical lobster... Yeah. Like, that felt very episode one. Which, I mean, this movie definitely went into development before episode one came out, but did come yeah. out two years after, so... Um, also, even down to the scene transitions. Because, okay, the screen wipe is not a common transition in film. I've learned this in my film classes. It is not a very common transition in film. George Lucas oh, shit, right. loves yeah. using it in Star Wars. He like he he uses it for almost every single tra uh, scene transition in Star Wars. And I've never seen another film besides Star Wars use as many screen wipes as Atlantis does. Which feels really weird, especially given that it's an animated movie. Like, the yeah. screen wipes feel... I don't, I don't know, there's, there's something... Like, immediately, when I saw the screen wipe, I was like, okay, Star Wars. Um, <laughs> like, so yeah, that, that felt... That just added to it. Um... But, uh, is there any, like, oh, do you have any other specific comments you, you want to make about, like, the first two, like, the first two acts of this film? Because I really want to talk about the, the, the final fight scene. But if you have stuff to talk about plot-related before that... I guess that, uh, one thing we could really go over is the film's use of language, because it's, because to my mind, it's almost kind of interesting... Okay. Because okay, because like the film, like our main character Milo is a linguist by trade, and so his thing is being able to like 
translate languages and his role in the plot is being able to like translate the ink is being one of the few people who's, being, who's able to translate the ancient language of Atlantean and <clears throat> like for our, like opening scene of the movie is just a scene of Atlantis being like drowned in the ocean and the characters are speaking like a language that is meant to be Atlantean now sitting there thinking, oh this will be interesting they'll have like one of the things in the movie will be some kind of language divide, and my, which is why Milo will be like inter, which is why Milo will be like super important for the movie because as a linguist, he'll be one of the few people who'll be able to like have any chance of crossing that language divide. And then they get to Atlantis, and then it turns out that Atlantean is this ancient super language made up of all languages, and you can just go from Atlantean to any other language in existence casually including modern English and modern French and modern Russian and so on and so forth. And we've forgotten how language works. And their language has been lost. No, not... not Well, okay, they can't read it. The spoken language, they've got that. They somehow lost lost how to read and write their language, despite basically everyone in Atlantis due to, like, the magical properties of the energy source being the people who be having having had been alive before Atlantis was sunk and several of them definitely defer- and several of them being royalty who would definitely know how to read and write Atlantean yeah it re- yeah that a lot of that stuff is yada yada <laughs> it's yeah it yeah <laughs> um which again like um it's interesting because um, the the like Jello Apocalypse's ten word or less review of this was this cast of characters would be better suited for television than film. Do you agree? Honestly, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, um, because right, which I actually... makes it a shame that like the TV show that they wanted to the, the sequel TV show that they wanted to make out of Atlantis failed. Like, yeah. Before you could even get off the ground well, and, like, my, was then made into a sequel to Atlantis. They, my guess is they probably started working on the TV show before the movie came out, and then the movie was a bomb. Like, the movie didn't do well uh, commercially. Yeah. It, it was another Treasure Planet situation, which I, like, I have the same feelings towards Treasure Planet that I feel like that would be better as a TV show than a film. Um... I actually do like Treasure Planet better than this, probably, but um, yeah, I think I think they both uh, share that uh, kind of thing. Although Atlant, like, yeah, no, no, actually, for the same reason, because I feel like both of them have such fascinating worlds that they create yeah. that they don't go into much depth on, because you don't, they don't get to Atlantis until at least halfway through the movie. Yeah, like, it, okay, it is, like, just before halfway through the movie, and I know this for sure, it's, like, 45 minutes in, and I know this for sure, because, and I'm about to, and I'm about to admit to something that I'm a little ashamed of, uh, I watched this movie in two chunks, the first bit of a, the first bit of the movie, the first chunk, which was before they reached Atlantis, was, like, a week ago, and the second chunk was yesterday, when I was sitting, da- when I was sitting down, at like, 8 o'clock, and suddenly realized, oh, shit, I haven't finished Atlantis yet, and we're recording the podcast tomorrow. Oh, shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that would help. 
Um, because I said, because like I was enjoying it enough, but by that point it hadn't quite gripped me yet. So I just sat, the, so I just sat the movie down and then just didn't get back to it for like a week. Oh yeah, uh, that makes sense. Yeah, um, which completely and it understandable. Turns out, it turns out I stopped right before the vaguely interesting bits would have happened. Yeah. Um, well, the most vaguely interesting bits, anyway. Yeah. Like the first part of the movie is still, like, pretty alright. Yeah. Um, which... Oh, any other specific plot things you want to mention before that final fight? Uh... Okay, well, quickly, what are, we, what are you counting as, like, the entirety of the final fight? Just, like, the final action bit, or just, the, like... Yeah, the final action bit. Okay. Uh... Kita's, Kita's motivation doesn't really make sense in my head because, like, Kita was, like, Kita also wants to find, like, the ancient power source of Atlantis because she says her culture is dying, which is, like, an interesting way to look at it, which is an interesting way to, like, for, like, one of these kinds of films to, like, frame a, like, an interesting conflict to have front and center for one of these kinds of movies because... There is an issue, like, in, like, treasure hunting movies of, like, brushing over, like, the culture that's being robbed from in these types of movies. And so having, like, some character actively being concerned about the culture present is different and kind of, potentially kind of interesting for these movies. But then, like, so her motivation is she wants to find the power source to, like, somehow save her culture, the culture of Atlantis. But I don't quite see what that has to the power of it specifically exactly has to do with the culture because they don't need to find it to use all the things the power source was involved with. Yeah. Because they have many versions of the power source that work basically exactly as well. Yeah, ex except they don't completely possess Kida. Yeah. Which I thought was weird. How they just... Yeah. How, because she was actually, like, framed as, like, a very badass character, and then she just gets possessed by blue glowy stuff, and they put her in a cage. Yeah, she she merges <laughs> with the MacGuffin, and then becomes the MacGuffin, and is, put, and then is put in a box for the rest of the movie. Which is such a shame, because, yeah. like, she's actually, like, probably... She's one of the most interesting, like female Disney characters up to this point, probably. Um. Like, yeah. The, yeah. Um. Yeah, this film really does kind of give its female characters the short end of the stick, unfortunately. Yeah. Overall, like, yeah, Helga included. Um. Helga Sinclair. I was trying to remember the last name. Um, I also feel like the movie has a bit of an issue transitioning bit. So transitioning bit. Not transition. Uh, okay, I feel like the issue, the movie generally has a bit of an issue when it comes to characters suddenly, like, characters doing big things because of character motivation. Yeah. Does that make sense? Because, okay. Uh, at the beginning of the movie, there's the sequence where uh, Milo gets invited to the house of his grandfather's friend. Uh, and we're just meant to establish Milo. No, Milo really does want to go. 
which Mr. Sebush, uh, the opportunity to go to Atlantis and Milo getting the opportunity and taking it. And the whole segment just feels a bit rushed somehow. Yeah. And then later on in the movie, like, we, were, we were just like, Kita's motivation not really making a ton of sense. Yeah, well, I, uh, I, and the, yeah, I think a big part of this movie's issues is pacing, which is why it would make for a good TV show as, as yeah. opposed to a film. And then at the end of the movie, uh, when the villains have taken the power source and, ev- and everyone, but like are leaving Milo behind in Atlantis to, to die, and all the name characters uh, decide that most of the name characters that aren't Helga and Rourke uh, decide to just stay back with Milo because guilty conscience yeah it doesn't i feel like they did a i feel like they didn't do a great job of setting up characters that would have done that for milo essentially because milo is able to guilt trip them all into doing it and like and them being guilty is believable i can't see them basically saying you know what screw it i'll die for this and just staying behind for milo I feel like they hadn't set them up quite... Because not framed as staying behind for Atlantis. It feels like it's framed as staying behind because they like Milo. Yeah, which, I mean, they definitely, like... They do establish a little bit of that, but again, it could like, they, be... They, they do have a, like, yeah, they do have out. a scene where like they establish a friendly rapport between the characters, but they don't do a ton with it. Yeah. Um. So, now I want to talk about that final action scene... Because that sh- that whole scene is batshit insane. Yeah. It is like, I was actually, that was actually probably my favorite part of the movie, just because of how crazy it was. It is good and it's crazy. Although I will say throughout the entire movie, throughout that entire action scene, I kept sitting there thinking to myself, why don't they just shoot the hot air balloon? <laughs> That's a very good point. Because Milo um, doesn't someone just crash into the, like, Milo just said, like, it's like a last-ditch plan crashes into part of the hot air balloon, which causes it to start, which causes it to start sinking down in the air. And I'm just sitting there thinking, okay, but why didn't you just shoot? Why didn't anyone shoot the hot air balloon with one of their laser cannons instead of shooting at the people shooting them on the hot air balloon? Yeah, yeah, no, but like. So, like, this scene, first of all, again, it's the most Star Wars scene in the film. Yeah. Um, you know, with, with the, with the space, with the spaceships that are, like, they're ancient, but they're advanced, like, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then, like, you've got this segment with Helga and Rourke, where, um... She's, like, getting pissed at him because he is going against what they originally planned or some shit like that. Uh, very, like, like, it's very cliche, the, like, the conflict there, but, uh, she, like, actually starts kicking his ass and she's shown to actually be doing awesome stuff again. And then he, like, throw he straight up tosses her, well, no, she says, like, um... Something along the lines of, well, that's it, unless someone wants to jump. And he's like... Ladies first. Yeah, ladies first. And then tries to push her, and then the fight happens. And then, like, for the last... But then he tosses her out of the air balloon. The hot air balloon. Yeah, and and I believe, like, the final conversation between them was like, 
uh, someone mentions the line, nothing personal, because Helga uses that line again when she turns Brazil to survive the ball and shoots the hot air balloon. Yeah. The one person who thinks to do that in the entire goddamn scene. And also, that <laughs> moment is so badass. Uh, when when she does shoot the hot air balloon, like yeah. because I thought, oh, like when he first tossed her off, I was like, oh shit, she's just dead. But then yeah, she survived I was like that too. somehow. <laughs> um, yeah, and then like they have an issue of height in, with the hot air balloon in that scene because they do establish that the hot air balloon is like like towards the latter half of it is sneaking in the air, where they do a bad job of like make of well establishing how high up in the air it is. Yeah. Um, and then, like, to defeat the villain, Milo, like, cuts him... No, no, first of all, Rourke starts chasing him with a fucking axe, like, like he's Jack Torrance in The Shining. Yeah. Um, which is terrifying. Like, as a kid, that would have been terrifying. Yeah. Um, it was and- kind of out of character, because I know it's supposed to be, like, uh, like the in-control character is suddenly losing it, but it doesn't... It doesn't- because of, like, anger and whatnot, but it doesn't quite feel like it works. I mean, I, I was work. just engrossed in all of this scene's bullshit. Yeah. Um, and then, like, Milo cuts him with one of the smaller blue crystal things, and, and then he turns into, like, a blue demon and explodes? Or yeah. Some, like, what the fuck? Like, I was, like, like that entire scene, I was like, what the fuck is happening? I'm so here for it. Yeah. Also, uh, one thing we, like, one thing I want to mention, like, was trying to mention a little bit earlier, then we got sidetracked. Uh, when Roger is throwing, Hel- like, throwing Helga off the hot air balloon, uh, Helga is saying something along the lines of, we had a deal, and then Rourke's response was, next time get it in writing as he tosses her off the air balloon. Yeah. Yeah, this scene's one-liners are great! (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, no, this was absolutely my favorite scene. And it's because it was just... Because, like, the rest of the movie felt, like, cliche and rushed. And this was just batshit insane stuff happening. And I was so here for it. Because it was just, like, way... Like, even if it didn't make sense, it was more interesting than the rest of the film. Yeah. Which, again, this film, like, overall isn't bad. It's just very flawed. And going back to one of the flaws, I want to elaborate on a point that I made at the very beginning of this segment. Uh, the point of the Atlanteans are inconsequential in this film. Yeah. Because, honestly, honestly, it's my opinion that you could replace the Atlanteans with literally nothing, and you probably wouldn't have too much of a problem just having the exact same plot. Yeah. Well, I mean, except there, then there would be no reason for Milo to be like, well, because like his whole motivation in well, that as part currently is- written, maybe, but like, I feel like it wouldn't be hard to just frame it as, oh. If they take the power source, Atlantis will still just be utterly destroyed in some other nebulous way. It's not genocide. Mm. And then uh, it could still keep his motivation of wanting to save Atlantis. Oh, man. See, I was, I was thinking a while back about possibly doing a, a video where I, like, basically, like, pitch an idea for how they could adapt uh, Treasure Planet into a TV show. Now I want to do it for this, too. Yeah. 
also, also, this movie made me like further inspired, not further inspired, slightly more motivated to want to do uh, Uncharted slash Indiana Jones style D and D campaign. Oh yeah, because I, I've kind of wanted to do that, but I have no idea where the hell to start in making that. Anyway, uh, oh, that's off topic. Man. Atlantis. Well, now I'm just imagining that final fight sequence. But uh, Milo replaced with Bobbert. <laughs> <laughs> okay, for those who have no idea what the hell was what the hell no was referencing, uh, which probably everyone because I don't think we've talked about the D and D campaign in the podcast. I've recently ran a like a mystery D and D campaign for Noah and some other friends, and my and character... Noah's character was a fighter based like. I say based. It was literally the character Bobbert from The Amazing World of Gumball. Because I was like, what's the most obscure fictional character I could base a character on? Yeah. And I picked Bobbert from Amazing World of Gumball because he's my favorite in that show. Yeah. Uh, and, and then Bobbert accidentally did like a lot of the legwork in solving the, what the mystery was. Yeah, and also... By getting fi- lost in a mountain range. Yeah, and also... Uh, be And also, like, defeating the final boss. Uh, well, well, I mean, I didn't land the final blow, but I aided a lot in that fight. Yeah. Um, by just making the stupid decision of jumping in the pond where the poisonous crystal source was. Yeah. <laughs> Because, like, as soon as you brought that up, I was like, I'm gonna jump in that pond. (laughs) (laughs) Like, and I'm so glad it paid off. Um, But anyways, uh, final thoughts on this film, I suppose. Yeah. Again, it's... Yeah, Jello Apocalypse summed it up pretty well. He really did, yeah. The film is mostly really good with some pretty noteworthy flaws. Yeah. Um... I, I don't think I could put it any better way than that, really. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, so. So we still have yet to have a true dud, I think, with this. Um, th- this is definitely the worst film we've watched for this, um, for, for this challenge. But it's not bad by any means. Um, yeah. Also, like, re- re- real quick, I just remembered one small thing that I just want to mention, because otherwise it might bug me if I later on. Uh, at the beginning of the movie, when, like, Miles talking about, like, like, Miles practicing a pitch to other academics trying to get funding for an expedition to, like, to find, like, a journal that will lead him to Atlantis. Uh, and he discusses uh, the idea, like, the notion of... Uh, the translation of the location being off by being mistranslated by oh, one yeah. letter specifically. Oh yeah, that was not even like not one word was mistranslated, which is what how it would probably normally go. No, one letter in one word got mistranslated, which I'm sorry, it's not how language works. That's yeah, no, I would, I yeah, you no, can't I, I mistranslate bet. one letter of a word and have the rest of the word be correct unless you're translating from fucking braille not I guess a braille or 
Morse code or something. Well, he was yeah, not it, translating it has from to be Morse a language code. where where the letters to English are one to one. Like it would have but to be was, a language. It was a with Nordic language, which are famously not that. Yeah. Um. Actually, I had another issue with that. Um. Particular. Uh. Scene because. Um, there's the moment where, like, he leans against On the, the, chalkboard. the chalkboard and the map, like, part of the map he drew, like, comes off onto his vest in a way that it shouldn't have worked because, like, he he leans on it with his vest unbuttoned and then he buttons it up and it makes up the the missing portion of the map. Which doesn't yeah. make any sense. <laughs> like, I had to rewind, actually, to, to make sure I didn't, like, miss... See that. Well, because then he, like, took off... Because then he unbuttoned the vest again. For, he seemingly buttoned and unbuttoned that vest for literally no reason. Um, <laughs> and I was like, wait, hang on. Wasn't he wearing a green shirt before? Like, was that an animation error? And then I went back, and it was an animation error, but not the animation error I thought it was. Just like a continuity error or something. Well, yeah, not, yeah, I guess not an animation error, but like, yeah, just... I mean, it's an error relating to the animation, so you're not wrong, but like, the specific kind would be continuity. Yeah. Yes. Um, but not in the uh, same... continuity errors are funny. But not in the same way that, like, Scooby-Doo and the Reluctant Werewolf has that animation error of, like, the car clipping off the bottom of the screen. <laughs> um. So... Are anyway. those, Jimmy... There's a lot of fun, like... A lot of shows that, like... Like, I have grown fond of just, like, Clips that I just show off random animation errors in shows and movies. It's a small one, but one of my favorite ones is one from Jimmy Neutron, where his head just clips, like the top of his head just clips through a locker as he's leaning back. Oh, <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. So now we're on to 2002, yeah. and so first I have to ask you, have have you yet confirmed your access to Showtime through Spotify? I don't think I have access to Showtime through Spotify, because I have access to Hulu through Spotify. Well, because my sister has access to both through Spotify. Weird. I'm not sure if that's, like, a new update, or if she just signed up for, like, a new higher-costing uh, thing. Okay, well, well, I can check it real quick. What's the show that's available through Showtime? The the movie uh, I'm thinking of is Chicago. Okay, yeah, I don't have access to Showtime. Damn it. Okay, well, I'll just watch that on Although, my own time then. It's I mean, it's for the fact that it happened Chicago and it's like the fourth thing that shows up. Well, I mean, yeah. Because it's like Chicago PD. Okay, it's funny, because it's Chicago PD and Chicago Fire appear first. But the second thing is Chicago Bears 100. Yeah. But Chicago Med is also in the top five. And you think those two things would be swapped around just for, like, continuity. Yeah, well. All right. Well, in that case, hang on. I need to 
double check uh, the services that these other ones I had written because I have a few written down for possibilities. Um. Oh, I accidentally typed in something that was not what I was meaning to type in. Oh boy. Ah. Uh, oh. Well, that's free on a lot of stuff. Um. Oh wait, but. Okay. <clears throat> so. Okay, I'm gonna give you I I so I'm gonna give you three vague options. Because uh, I don't know which of these I'd rather watch. Would you rather have us do a critically acclaimed biopic, a comedy starring a mutual favorite actor of ours before his big break, or a movie you've probably never heard of with two leads that you've definitely heard of. Ah! Damn it. Hold on, hold on. I'm rolling a dice for this, because I can't decide. Okay, fair enough. Uh, the comedy, I guess. Alright, then for 2002, we are going to be watching National Lampoon's Van Wilder, starring Ryan Reynolds. Oh. What's that on? Uh, YouTube, Vudu, Tubi, Pluto TV. It's free on a lot of stuff. <laughs> Like, basically, any any streaming service that is free, it's on. <laughs> Except for Crackle. So, lots of options there. And for those wondering, uh, the other options were... Uh, the, the critically acclaimed biopic was Frida... And, uh, the movie you've never heard of was Death to Smoochie, which stars Robin Williams and Danny DeVito. <laughs> hmm. Um. Okay, it was Van Wilder, right? Yes, National Lampoon's Van Wilder or Van Wilder, either one you'll be able to find pretty easily. I did literally just double check what it is on, and yeah, it's, it should be on all okay, those okay, things. I just checked on Hulu, and it's not free on Vudu. Sorry. Really? It says yeah. it says right here it's free on Vudu. That's well, I just checked, and it didn't let me watch it for free on. That's like, and weird. it said like it gave me rental stuff on huh. Vudu. Weird. Well, I can at least confirm. Okay, I can I can confirm on YouTube, YouTube though. I can confirm YouTube. Yes, it's one of the movies they have on there for free through YouTube movies. So, 
We're we're still good. <laughs> also, I guess its full title is National Lampoon's Van Wilder Party Liaison. <laughs> Which like it I've never seen a movie where you can cut out the beginning and the end and people will still know what you're talking about. <laughs> Like, you could cut Star out... Star Wars movies, I guess. Oh, the first yeah, one. I guess. The first Star Wars, I guess. Because yeah. Star Wars and A New Hope. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Have you seen episode four? That's... <laughs> just, just calling the... Just not even saying Star Wars. Have you seen episode four? <laughs> like... Although some people would probably still be like, yeah, yeah, that's one of my, yeah, that's probably like the second best in the original trilogy. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, so we're going to watch Van Wilder for the next one, Uh, which I I guess is Ryan Reynolds' revenge for not being picked over Vampire's Kiss that one time. (laughs) The last time I had you decide between actors and stuff. Uh, so yeah, tune, tune in next time when we will talk about National Lampoon's Van Wilder. And of course, we'll talk about other stuff, but we don't know what that other stuff is going to be yet. So, As usual. Uh, peace. Adios. And scene. <laughs>